As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Smarterpodcasts.com. Delivering sound advice. The Marin Humane Society is buzzing this week, and that is because they are in the midst of Operation Tiny Teacup. Hi, I'm Joanne Green, and welcome to the Good Dog Podcast, where today my guest is Kim Snyder, Director of Animal Care and Veterinary Services. We're going to be talking about this current operation, and really more importantly, what puppy mills are, what happens when they are discovered, what animal hoarding is all about, and how you, as um, a pet lover and a dog lover, can help. So welcome, Kim. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to meet you, and thank you so much for making this time available. Not a problem. You've got some very important things going on. Thank so you. let's go back to the beginning and tell me about what was discovered that has now resulted okay. in this operation. Well, our involvement started when our Director of Customer Service, Carrie Fennell, happened to be in Arizona at the time of this uh, this puppy mill raid. Um, and so I call it happenstance. Um, originally they thought they had about a hundred dogs and, um, she called me and asked if she could bring some back on the airplane. And of course I said, yes, uh, having done this numerous times in the past, we've, we've assisted in hurricane Katrina, which was probably the biggest undertaking we had. Um, and that we airlifted about five to 600 dogs and distributed them all through the Bay area to hold them for their owners. So that gave us a really good idea of what we were up against if we were going to bring other dogs into our community. Difference being, though, that you were just looking Holding. for foster homes. Absolutely. And in, and in this case, um, like others we've done, uh, we've helped with a poodle case with, in Hollister, and um, it goes way back. I could name case after case that we've jumped into and ha- had large volumes of dogs or cats come. Um, but this is a case where authorities discovered yep. dogs being mistreated, or what, what was it that what they found? What happened was a person that went to purchase one of these dogs, who saw it on the internet, went to purchase one of these puppies, and um, because the website looked so charming, and they looked so cute. Always and do. price looked right, you know, and... Uh, that's the first clue, right? That's the first clue. And so she went to meet the residents, and they wouldn't allow her on the property. They would allow her to come 
close to the residence, but only so far, that piqued her suspicion. And um, they brought her out two or three dogs to look at. And when she asked if she could see others, they said no. And so for some reason, she was highly suspicious. So she reported to the sheriff's department because she just thought something was up. Sheriff's department went out to do a welfare check, if you will. And uh, it was a double-wide mobile home. And when they knocked on the door, they were overwhelmed to find that the trailer itself was filled with a hundred dogs and puppies and birds and you name it. The carpets were soaked full of feces and urine. Um, it was in unlivable conditions for anybody, uh, certainly not fit for humans. So at that point, the owners had said to the deputies and then to the responding uh, Humane Society of Southern Arizona that they would surrender the dogs because they were just in over their heads. They felt that they it was just too much for them to maintain anymore, and so on and so forth. Is this illegal? It's not illegal. It's illegal to the way that they're cared for, yes. It's not illegal to breed. Um, and oftentimes what happens is these breeders start out fairly small, if you will, and then it gets out of control rather rapidly. And then uh, there, is a, there is a behavior, a pattern of behavior with people who are considered hoarders. It's becoming more and more common. We're starting to really see it as a mental illness. It is defined as a mental illness because these People that get into this honestly do not see what they're doing wrong. They don't see the the neglect, the cruelty. They don't see that their actions are creating a horrible living condition, not only for themselves, but to the animals. They truly do love these animals. They, they, they think they're doing everything absolutely right. In this case, of course, the hundred was was uh, overwhelming in itself, um, and rescue stepped up to help, and another shelter locally stepped up to help them. And uh, just on suspicion, they decided to go back the following day with a warrant just to search the entire property. So legally, they needed a warrant to search the entire premises. So they did. They went back with the warrant, and uh, much to their surprise, when they went into a facility that they're describing as a barn, they opened the door, and there were seven hundred more. And in seven hundred more dogs, mm-hmm, primarily all, Chihuahuas. Chihu- uh, well, all breeds. Actually, there were Pomeranians, Pekingese, Chihuahuas, Japanese Chin, Chinese Crested, um, and we're not talking about housing conditions where they're segregated in 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 little areas where you have Pekingese here and Chinese Crested there, or you know, two or three dogs in this cage. Or th- they were literally everywhere. So, well, seven hundred dogs. Yeah, right. they'd have to well, be and, everywhere. And so when you're looking from a consumer's perspective, I mean, horrific as this is, when you're buying online or even from a pet store, somebody is supplying those animals somewhere along the line. So whether it's a broker or a dealer or however those animals are reaching the pet industry, uh, uh, you really don't know what you're getting. This is a great example of that. All the pictures that were online that many people had a chance to look at, they they really were not the puppies that were being sold. They would, they would say, okay, I'm going to sell you X and go into this you know, pod of 700 animals and pick one that looked as close to that photo as you can get. So, you know, and there's no way to know if these animals are healthy. They aren't healthy. Well, the majority of the first, the first hundred there, there were, they had described that first hundred to me and our director of customer service also saw some of them because of the inbreeding and because of the conditions where they had serious injuries. They had, um, you know, uh, genetic problems with missing limbs or toes or, you know, just horrific things that you shouldn't see. Um, and no good breeder breeds that volume into discussion. There's just no way. And um, so when we originally said we would help them, it was not a problem at all. And then the second day when they went back and found the 700 more, it became a full-on how else can we help? Because this is the people there and the shelter workers and the community stepped up and really, really pulled together. Uh, shelter workers, I've heard, have worked over 70 hours with no sleep. There are people sleeping at the shelter to help. Um, 
and it was orchestrated in a way that um, the animals got emergency veterinary care. There were veterinarians from the community that came over, and they triaged around the night. And every animal, I've got records to back it up, got a full, thorough exam on intake. And kudos to them. That is an enormous amount of work. 800 animals and a, an exam on every single one of them within a probably 48-hour period. And uh, so they transported them all. They they housed them separately. They separated males from females so we could stop the breeding. Um, and then rescue took the majority of the, the Ill, sickest and the oldest and the ones that really needed urgent care now and out of the shelter. That second day, we got involved and offered to help. Um, and we, we carry stayed and we decided to rent a van and load it up that following morning and just drive what we could to help them. How um, many animals did you bring here? We were trying to get close to 100 or whatever we could fit in this van humanely because caring for them in the travel was a huge concern for us. And so I flew a staff person down there to meet Carrie. She flew uh, on the first plane she could get. She went down and they organized the van in a way that everybody had a nice, you know, movement. They could get, you know, move around and there was food and water in the crates. There was uh, three times where they stopped and they changed everybody's bedding out and uh, amazing to drive, for, you know, 14 straight hours with two people who who had already had, you know, a, a lack of sleep, if you will, um, from the previous couple of days. They, um, they stayed on the road and they stayed in touch with me. We were on the phone like Velcro. Um, we must have talked. Oh, three dozen times during the day. Um, and I knew what to expect based on what they were telling me the conditions were. And uh, we began our immediate triage center here. And all you have to do is put out the word to our volunteers and staff. And we have the most wonderful community of volunteers and employees that are beyond dedicated. And um, we knew that minute we put it out, we'd have more than, than, than the help we needed. And that, that was true. And, uh, they arose, they, they, they left, they were originally going to leave midnight, but they both were very, very tired. So we said, no, no, you can't get on the road until you're safe and have some sleep. So they left the very next morning at about seven and they drove, drove straight through, stopping three times, like I said. And uh, they arose, he drove here to Marine Humane Society and got here about nine o'clock. They were met by a frenzy of happy people and happy faces and media galore. And uh, we began unloading and starting that process all over again. The animals again got a, another, you know, health exam by our veterinarians. We weighed them and collared them with our ID system. And, and they're all we, tiny? And they're all tiny. The, the heaviest that I can see on my list as of today, because we have 69. We actually re received 69. Um, there are several females that are pregnant. Um, very pregnant. And um, the majority of the dogs we received were females. So, you know, we're still, we, we got them in foster homes the following Saturday. We wanted everybody just to sleep overnight and just relax and just make sure that everybody was really healthy enough to go to a foster home the following day. The following Saturday, our veterinarian and I were here and we assessed and decided, yeah, they can go, they can go to foster care where they'll get individualized care. So we broke them up into small groups, you know, twos, threes maybe, and um, we had people lining up to take them. And um, these were fosters that were already in our system, so they're very familiar with our protocols and our standards of care, and they really had a working relationship with us. And, of course, staff all volunteered to take a couple, you know, who, who wouldn't. And um, so by that... How small is the smallest? The smallest is 1.3 ounces. And, uh, well, actually, that's not even true. That's the smallest that's not a newborn. Our newborn is ounces. Um, we had a mom with four, with three four-day-old babies whose eyes were not open. Um, we had to put them on a gram scale because they were so little. And that the mom is absolutely adorable. And we had another mom with three- to four-week-old babies. And um, she was scared out of her mind, and she wouldn't even eat unless her babies were there. And, you know, 
talk about mother nature and nurturing and it was just amazing so what happens um, now you have to find permanent homes for all we of do these. Uh, that's not a problem we have uh, well over 300 applications and uh, what we're trying to do right now is to find individual needs and take it really slow the one thing we will not do no matter how f- much we're pushed is um, put the animals interest last we will always put the animals interest first and uh, I know that community is anxious to get their hands on them and I don't blame them at the same time um, you know they they really need to have uh, more thorough workups they need to be spayed and neutered we're not going to spay and neuter them until the little systems are ready for it we're not going to rush them through and have something go wrong um, so, so in the days to follow and even as I've been sitting here waiting to talk to you you are on the phone with a crisis a, yes. a puppy was not doing well right is that what's going to happen? Are you are more and more various types of physical ailments yes. going to crop yeah. up? We certainly have parasite load that's that's really really um, uh, you know to be expected in something like this. So parasites in themselves can create a lot of problems. Um, we also in this breed the these small breeds tend to get hypoglycemic, so that's not surprising that you see that, especially through the stress and what they've been through. Um, you know, fighting for food and and water alone. So dehydration was something we expected, um, and. And um, as it goes on, we've seen hernias. We've seen major, major dental disease. And, um, you know, retained teeth that have to be removed. Um, I'm sure along the way we'll find some orthopedic issues with these small breeds. They tend to have luxating patellas. And um, the great thing about that is I've got a wonderful... Uh, relationship with the vet community and they're calling off the hook to help and I just love that because everybody will take their you know their little bit of a mountain and and spread the wealth as you will you know and everybody feels like they're doing their part and they are and we couldn't do what we do without that and it makes all the difference in the world is this atypical or does this sort of thing go on in communities all over unfortunately it goes on in communities all over um, puppy mills are more common than than we think um, and from an animal welfare per- person's perspective it saddens me every time I see somebody with a purebred that says, well, I got it online and I got it from this great kennel and, you know, I went on and I researched and I talked to them for hours and, oh, they were just wonderful and they flew the dog out here and then they tell me where and I know it was a puppy mill and they get, they get taken and the sad thing is, is these animals have genetic problems from the get-go or, or they're sick when they get them. So what is the way around that for people interested in getting a dog? Well, honestly, good breeders don't advertise. A good breeder is a word-of-mouth breeder. So if you know somebody who got an animal from a good breeder, stick with that. You know, if you're going into a pet store, I can almost promise you that those animals are coming from a, a puppy mill facility because they have to get them quantity. They have to get them in quantity, not in quality. And that's the thing to remember here is they're mass-producing these animals so that the breeder gets a cut, the broker or the dealer who's shipping them gets a cut, the pet store gets a cut, and guess what? The consumer gets gets the leftover and if you're paying the same price that you would pay from a reputable dealer then clearly you're getting less right and and you're you're having animals that are inbred and 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 your akc papers that everybody thinks so so wonderful how would you know that it even goes to that lineage how in this case is a great example 700 dogs all running loose you tell me how they know what one has what papers and who the mom was. And who's who. And who's who. So I would think if you speak with your vet, your local SPCA or Humane Society, you can get recommendations Absolutely. of good breeders. Absolutely. And, you know, I encourage people to go to shelters because these purebreds are everywhere. These, these and animals why do you are, necessarily need a purebred anyway? You don't. I personally exactly. never had one. Right. 
But if you do, if you really want a purebred, every shelter in the Bay Area, in the state of California, get purebred dogs every single day. Now, you may have to wait a day or two or a week, but if you are doing it right and you want to make a difference, wait. What about the breed-specific rescue organizations? Most of them are fabulous, and, and a lot of them step up to the plate. A lot of them have stricter requirements and some animal controls or uh, humane societies, but they're doing it because they're passionate about what they're doing and because they're finding the right homes. And yeah, they screen tight, but they're taking animals from neglected situations and they have the right to screen tight. Now, Kim, interestingly enough, when I asked you a few moments ago if this was typical, Mm -hmm. um, you assumed that I meant our puppy mills and these sort of operations typical. And what I meant, which is now a second (laughs) question is, is the response that you've received from your volunteers, from the veterinary community, is that typical or do we live in a very blessed area where people are so attuned Mm -hmm. to um, animal welfare? Well, I'll tell you what, I've been here 25 years and we have grown into a community and a, and a growth of volunteers that is like no other. And um, whatever we ask for, they give it. And it, it's typical for us because we're known to do this kind of thing. And, and we do it because of the support of our volunteers. You couldn't do it without. Absolutely not. Absolutely And not. yet you said in Arizona, the community totally yep. rose to the occasion as yep. well. So yes, perhaps this is a trend. It is a trend. And I think it's a really positive trend. And I think that <clears throat> the public awareness of this kind of thing is creeping out there. So people are starting to really recognize it and report it. You know, people that are suspicious, like this woman who started this, you know, that's what it takes. It takes somebody willing to do, make that extra little step, you know. Um, so on top of everything else, I think we can... I mean, is it safe to say that we should encourage people, if you go to see a breeder and you are suspicious... Make a phone call. Absolutely. Absolutely make a call. And is the sheriff the appropriate place to call? It depends on your jurisdiction. Sometimes it's an animal control. Sometimes it's a humane society. The more information you can get, the better. The location. Oftentimes what will happen is breeders won't meet you at their residence. They will meet you at an undisclosed location in a parking lot somewhere. It happens here in the Bay Area. We have the Central Valley here in California is a big hub of breeders. And um, what they will do is they will breed. And then on the weekend, they'll advertise in the Chronicle or other local papers. And they will drive them up to the Bay Area so you can pick the puppy you want. If there's somebody's dealing out of the back of their car, there's something very wrong with that. Interesting information. Now, you have over 300 applications for 69 tiny teacup dogs. And pregnant ones. And pregnant ones. And there are many more dogs, clearly, who have been rescued in Arizona and probably other states as well. If good dog listeners are interested in seeing if they can help out, if, um, if I have people listening, for instance, who would like to try to adopt one of these dogs, mm-hmm. um, where should we direct them? The first thing I want to do is encourage people that to adopt at a shelter no matter where or what it is. Because just because these 69 hit the media doesn't mean that the other thousands and thousands aren't just as special. And so, you know, it's interesting that people come out in groves like this when this happens. But the reality is we have chihuahuas every day. You know, every shelter in the Bay Area has chihuahuas every day. So just because it doesn't have Arizona on its name or Hurricane Katrina behind it doesn't mean that those other animals aren't just as special, especially the big dogs right now. I, I really encourage people to go to their local shelter and look for big dogs because they shouldn't be left behind either. And in fact, we're working on coordinating a, a possible ad- adventure with some of the other shelters, uh, including Arizona, who right now their big dogs aren't moving. And we do not want those left behind. We recognize the importance of making sure that all of these dogs are represented. So we will do whatever we can to make sure those other big dogs in Arizona are, are, are getting help, too. Bottom line, call your local shelter. Call if you want to your local a dog. shelter, please. And don't, you know, just there's special dogs from every size and shape in these shelters. Great. Kim Snyder, thank you so much You're for being so here today. And thanks for the work you do. Now go home and go to sleep. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. 
GoodDogPodcast.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.